you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wants to know more about Greg's emo phase. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Was Greg's band emo? I always thought it was more a, a cyber goth punk outfit. Um, but produce the tapes, Greg. Produce the tapes, Delaware. We've we've been over this so many times. It was neither. It was sort of like a jokey rock band, maybe a little like Dead Milkman or They Might Be Giants were, were some uh, bands I mentioned. So a less cool They Might Be Giants. That is profile. <laughs> That's a tough space to capture. Um, Mark, to we, we were in the rock space. Speaking of emo and... and um, the pop punk band, The Wonder Years, um, and their singer and songwriter, Dan, or one of their songwriters, um, has been a longtime listener of the show. And we've been in contact with them for a few years now. And uh, they had a show at the Belasco downtown. So the dad saddled up and uh, went and saw the show. And uh, that was a pretty cool experience. Just want to thank the guys for that. I'm wearing some Wonder Years merch. Talk to and Dan does such a great job with the merch. I was like, Dan, I think we need help because we need to do some merch on ATN. It's something we've heard over and over again. But the show was incredible. And I'm watching it, Mark, and we're watching it from our vantage point. I'm like, how do we do an ATN live show where the people care as much about that band as they do about a football podcast? That well, is were, that's my new goal in my career in life. Yeah, you kept mentioning that. And like my thought watching it was like there's something specific about um, the fact that this is music. Um, that it's musical, that it's <laughs> punk, that the that the crowd is like um, grappling with each other and um, writhing. I don't know if our shows um, lather the crowd up to that degree. They are a drinking crowd. But I, I mean, we have been um, corresponding with Dan Campbell from the Wonder Years for a while. Wes used to write back and forth with them all the time. And like, um, you know, there were moments where he said, come to our show, like it's in the Inland Empire, et cetera. And like, never really got around to it, unfortunately. But last night, we were up high, uh, you know, high up in the in the in the in the venue, and just looking down on him, basically commanding this crowd. I was like, "Wait, I've been writing to this guy for this many years, and he is absolutely <laughs> destroying this crowd." Um, I was shocked. It was amazing, and I I just think like mm. a the band, but him, his talent, and what he brought. Like it was shocking. And I, you know, the one thing I'd say merchandise wise is they don't have like a hulking. Um, money-hungry mothership hanging over them like we do, like which sort of has prevented us from doing merchandise. If we can get that mothership to shift a couple time oh, zones to the right or left, we, the, can, we could produce. I think the mothership would be like, okay, we could do an exchange. You could sell all the merch you want. We will take off into another solar system. Or we'll take the money that you make off it. I mean, that's been, you know, but I it was a lesson in many ways. It was a great night. Yeah, I mean, uh, what happened to your boy over here? Last I, I heard uh, about this concert was two months ago on DMs. No one even told me about this. <laughs> Dan? <laughs> we'll, we'll um, I didn't think I you had like, any connection, honestly, Greg, because like Dan... I, I was on uh, a DM thread, and he was like mentioning a J January show, and I was like, oh, that sounds great when you come back in March. That oh, that's last I heard of it. That's a know? classic miscommunication there, Greggy. I, I always yeah. thought that the, the Dan Wonder Years connection wasn't... Um, connected to you um that was a classic miscommunication switch and to be honest with you i was put i was reminded of it because it just so happens that my barber brett um who does amazing work uh at jag's barbershop in uh, westchester uh, area of los angeles uh has been touring with that a band for years and mm. we met up with brett my buddy too that's that's a bad beat, Greg. Uh, it was not personal. No, it's cool. Me and Gravedigger are gonna go uh, watch like a French movie this weekend together, and that's cool. Greg, no, Greg, no <laughs> offense on that on that front. I I do recall that there was a time that that you and I were in the newsroom together, and that that the Wonder Years wanted to take a tour of NFL Network, and 
I took, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of my day to tour them around the various studios and, and rooms of NFL Network. And uh, I don't recall your zest and zeal for that, but I think that we could make this, we could make it up to them and them to you by going to the next show that they offer in Los They're playing, I think, in the next couple nights. There we go. In LA again. Uh, no, go. they're going to be down in San Diego, Greg. So there's a... Make the drive. There's another option. All right. Good show. <laughs> Good show coming up today. I mean, this has hung a, a dark cloud over the whole uh, operation. Well, we should mention we're taping in uh, new new locales. I'm in my garage for the first time, so hopefully it sounds okay. You can check it out on YouTube, I guess. Yeah, check it out on YouTube. I actually see, Greg, right away, I see a, a Joe Namath photo behind you. Is that a, a Namath <laughs> bio or just a standalone photo you know i appreciate that this this is the first edition and i just wanted to put it front and center not only for you but also for the chutzpah this is the front of the book like literally (laughs) this is the front of the book the back of the book is the name which is i can't wait until tomorrow because i get because i get better looking every day by joe (laughs) willie name and dick chef but the fact that he had the chutzpah to just put his beautiful mug on the front of the book with no writing that's pretty amazing how about now how about mark Uh, and you're in a new locate by the way the tugboat as always just a figure of immense stability i'm in the same place uh greg's i was i was in my last place for 10 years what are you talking about (laughs) mark Mark is also once again in a new spot. It looks like you've left whatever penitentiary you're in, which is already minimum security. And now it looks like maybe you're in an old age home based on the background. Uh, no, I like I have more. You know, I found out, you know, 48 hours ago that we were doing this remotely. So I literally put a desk together yesterday for five or six hours and have hung wow. one painting to um, cast off this idea that I'm in a jail. It's just sort of a white wall. I need to add more decor, decoration. It's also a classic like... Uh, reformed prisoner move to take up like painting while in the can so maybe that's what's happening here just the theory yeah i mean my father painted this picture behind me so i can't oh, claim uh, what his journey was on that on that front all right very good very good and greg just so you know especially after the wonder year situation uh i do find you to be a figure of immense stability as well when it comes to the show <laughs> and this enterprise Thank you. All right. We have, uh, as promised, uh, as the combine kicks off in terms of the, uh, you know, the bulk of it is they had the play, the coaches and GMs talking earlier in the week. Now all the prospects are doing their workouts um, and Lance Zierlein will join us. uh, Longtime draft and combine uh, superstar for the NFL and beyond uh, in a bit. But let's start by getting caught up on the latest in the news. Dijon's got it again, turns the corner, makes people miss, makes one of those cuts, looking like Reggie Bush in the open field, number five still running, all the way to the one-yard line, Bijan Robinson showing you what he can do. Woo-wee! Bijan Robinson, um, uber prospect out of Gravedigger's alma mater. Uh, University of Texas and hook'em, 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 hook'em. And, you know, when we come up with the news drop each show, Graver and I will kind of talk it over. And when I when I threw that out as an option, you, I could actually see on our instant messenger client uh, client, the the glee coming off the response, which is like, I think I can do that. When I said, <laughs> go get a highlight of this highly touted running back prospect coming into the league this year. Justin, Grave, grave diggers, you know, quiet. sometimes we're in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden the grave digger digger drop hits and it's like, OK, Justin, what's up? That time, a legitimate <laughs> tee up. Right. He pops onto the screen and then disappears without saying a word. I just wanted to give the YouTube audience like a visual of my glee that you could feel. <laughs> Didn't know if the pod audience needed it as much. Yeah. So, yeah. Hook them. Okay, cool, Thanks dude. for the shout out. Yeah. All right. all right. Good stuff. But you good made up continue the show. All right. Let's Grave get into and heavy into whiskey since 8 a.m. Just for the uh, just to inform you. <laughs> and and Justin, if can you just pop in a second again? This is for uh-huh. that YouTube audience. You know, we're going to be doing some remote shows throughout the offseason post draft. Uh, maybe we just work on the lighting a little bit and uh, just clean up the visual uh, for yourself. Yikes. Wow, I was excited to debut my new background too, but I guess it's not good enough. I'll work on it. I, I like the the rotating. Your background's Titan adorable. Sign. I like it's you got a hanging like uh, neon Titan sign, 
And then a what looks like a rotating mini helmet, Titan's mini helmet yeah. that's going at maybe I don't know, like 24% faster speed than I would have expected it to be moving. It's <laughs> the the little motor on that is really cooking. <laughs> Yep, Jessica got me this this sign for Christmas. I think she was actually inspired by your old Zeuser sign behind you. Oh. So now we got we're the neon boys. Mm. Yeah, I well, love you Jessica. know you know you've really made it when you put your nickname up in in neon lights behind <laughs> you. You got to do that. Great. That's bigger. one way to put it. That is a gift from Kevin Danger Hands. It's my brother. And at first I was sheepish about it. And I was like, do I really want to do that? And then I thought about it some more. I was like, I definitely want to do that. And now it hangs behind me forever. Um, all right, let's get into it. Evan Ingram, tight end. Disappointing during his Giants tenure. Lands with the Jaguars on a nice con- on a nice team-friendly contract uh, in 2022. Has a breakout season. And now we're hearing reports from ESPN that the Jags are expected to franchise the tight end. That tag, by the way, is uh, a touch over $11 million. Uh, so that doesn't preclude the team from working out a, uh, a longer-term deal with Ingram, but it does point to the Jags continuing to do business with Ingram, which, as we talked about earlier this week, Mark, makes a lot of sense because, I don't know, can't you just picture uh, Ingram and Trevor Lawrence doing some real damage over the next few years? Yeah, and I, I think the thing is they've done a good job. Um, ag- they were aggressive last offseason with trying in free agency to surround Lawrence with what they could. Ingram, we've just waited for years for him to, for the durability to keep him through a season. And we saw it. He worked out with Trevor Lawrence. The one thing about the Jaguars, like I know that, you know, Trent Balky was just maligned all last offseason and prior, just like this guy that people don't like. Uh, it was just a lot of like negative press around him. But they quietly went and also traded for Calvin Ridley uh, during the season. And I just think that you look at the weapons they have. It's like the Jaguars have done what you want to do with a young quarterback. And so why would you do anything other than keep Evan Ingram around? You haven't Calvin Ridley to the mix. I just think it's a very interesting offense with a quarterback that's developing as quickly as any other quarterback in the league right now. No, all the all the fans are showing up uh, with clown noses. And I know that was more for ownership, but that was also partly because he was keeping Trent Baalke. They had a great offseason last offseason. They said to open this offseason, they won't be spending like crazy. It's going to be about keeping the guys that they have. Obviously, Ridley will be a nice addition. Juwan Taylor is a tackle who's a, a free agent for them. I think they might cut Shaq Griffin in the coming days to open up some space. They don't have much. Uh, the tight end market's... Pretty interesting at the top. Dalton Schultz, who I think might actually get to free agency because I think they might tag Tony Pollard and then Mike Gusecki, like a couple good tight ends out there. Where did you have Ingram in your top 101, Greggy? 27. There you go. I think I had him 50 a year ago, which proved to be uh, too low. Too low. I like like him. I think he's a good player. It's interesting because uh, the Giants are are coming off a playoff uh, season. They get to the second round um, and they need weapons. Uh, and we don't even know if Barkley's going to be back. And then you look at like, well, they traded Kadarius Tony, who's a big time playmaker for the Chiefs. And then they let Evan Ingram walk. And in, in both cases, there was logic to it. Uh, but I just wonder where they stand on that now with a little more time passing. They're probably cool. They probably feel pretty good about their process. I'm just pointing it out. In other news, uh, <laughs> Mike McCarthy, you know, Mike McCarthy is a figure of suspicion uh, for the football cognoscente. Everybody knows it. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why Zuzzer um, tends to uh, defend Zaddy uh, because he's had some success in the league. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, Bowl. is Zuzzer a nickname for your nickname? What, 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 is, is, what is that even? What is that? That this is what you're trying to peddle? because <laughs> this started i want you to know I, I, I had not heard yeah it it's today. it's clearly a move he had a list of you know brand building he wanted to accomplish I know, this offseason he said this week i i debut zuzzer i know you have a very dim view of me in some ways uh, greg and you think <laughs> this is calculated but in truth as with all of my nicknames they come from a natural organic place. And I don't even know where Zuzzer is coming from. Okay. It's coming from old Zeuser right behind you. Well, right. That is the, the, that's the root. That's the root. Absolutely. (laughs) And you could say, holy the guy with a nickname in neon behind him now has a nickname of a different nickname. I get it all. (laughs) 
I get it all, but I'm just saying. I think none I'm of just this... angry looking at that 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 Wonder Years <laughs> shirt the whole time. I mean, old Dan was DMing me from his tour bus in Europe, watching me on Monday Night Football over on Channel Five once. We were back and forth during the show, so we go way back all the way. Well, Greg, this okay, was a but calculation December. by us. Like the like the concert would have been uh, more enjoyable, uh, more vibrant <laughs> had you been with us. I think we both acknowledge that. But let's not look past Dan's, um, you know, heartfelt mea culpa. To there was a moment where he spent two or three seconds deciding, should I maybe not hang that neon sign? But then he turned around and said, yes, I should. And yet then yeah, then I should take that name and, and make a nickname off it. So there's a lot happening all at once, Greg. And it and yes, that's all true, Mark. Greg, miscommunication, uh, maybe an oversight by Mark and I. We've addressed it. We apologized. But if you're as close as you say you are to Dan, Soupy, Campbell and the rest of the Wonder Years gang, Perhaps you would have been connected on the, the show in downtown L.A. last night. Now you're just punching out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk about Mike McCarthy. As I said, he is a figure of suspicion uh, for the cool kids. He's a guy that's viewed as a little bit out of touch at times. He's a guy that is viewed as not with the modern game. And he has success in the league. And that's cool. But then he has comments uh, like he had at the Combine this week that really do put him out there on an island to take some heat. It happened over comments about his offense. And the comments were connected to his the play calling of the Cowboys under Kellen Moore, the type of offense that Mike McCarthy wants to run. This is what he said in part. I've been where Kellen has been. You know what? We don't have the sound, but give me some zaddy... Give me some zaddy, give me a zaddy slow jam energy underneath this quote, okay? <laughs> Ooh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, okay, now I'm in it. All right, here's what he said. I've been where Kellen has been. Kellen wants to light the scoreboard up. But I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. I don't desire to be the number one offense in the league, baby. I added that. I want to be the number one team in the league with a number of wins and a championship. And if we have to give up some production and take care of the ball better to get that, mm, then that's what we'll do. Oh, Zaddy, you're so extra. Mm. Now, he was, he's been hammered on social media and beyond for these comments, and I get that. He's a big target. The Cowboys are a big target. Uh, does it make any sense what he said in your mind? No. I mean, <laughs> because, because he was talking about how he, needs, he, he wants to play to the defense and rest the defense. Like, scoring touchdowns, you can have long drives passing the ball. They were really effective when throwing on early downs last year and ineffective when they would run on early downs. And I'm just thinking about his time in Green Bay where this was kind of like the last thing he did was take over play calling and it didn't go well. And he said the last month, you know, being in schematic meetings and starting to prepare the offense is like the most fun that he's had since he's been in with the Cowboys. So I get it. Like if he's going to go down in Dallas, he wants to go down his way. Uh, but I think Kellen Moore is more respected around the league than I really anticipated that a lot of people think he's going to be amazing in Los Angeles. We'll see in that it'll be a big loss for Mike McCarthy. I mean, I, I don't have a, a huge problem with what McCarthy said because I think he's just trying to <clears throat> shift gears to something else. But why do you need to throw Kellen Moore under the bus? Why even bring up Kellen Moore's name? I mean, you it was your choice, Mike McCarthy, when you came in to keep Kellen Moore around. That would have been the time to to send him out somewhere else. But you embraced him, you, you, you credited him with his skills, and you gave him a chance to call the offense. They were good under Kellen Moore from, from, from much of that stretch. And so now it's on Mike McCarthy because you've thrown every other scapegoat aside. So it's like I think he understands, and we all understand, that like Mike McCarthy probably has one season. Um, win totals don't matter. The playoffs matter. And he has got one season to prove he can do it much better and take them deeper into the playoffs, or I think he's out. I do think I remember having the belief that entering this past season, he had to at least get back to the divisional round and he did. And, and then they were dispatched again. I think next year it's kind of title game or bust um, for the Cowboys. 
and it's getting a becoming a bigger ask to keep McCarthy around. I think that's really what it's going to take. And I the one my one feeling on it, I agree with you, Mark, that you don't need to. There's a way to say what he said in a less clumsy manner. And I wish we could hear what he actually said. The reason I read it uh, first, slow jams are awesome. But also, I think it <laughs> happened in a side scrum with the local media rather than on the on the riser. That's why we don't have it. Um, Classic but I think side what, scrum. Yeah, I think what happened here also is is this a little bit of a commentary on Dak and and mm-hmm. and uh, Kellen Moore putting so much faith in Dak being a superstar talent at quarterback, which he certainly has looked like at times, including in the wild card playoffs this year. But then you saw what he, he bottomed out in the divisional round through a lot of picks, a lot of turnovers this past season. I think McCarthy, what you're, we're probably going to see is they're still going to throw the ball a bunch like all teams do. But I think McCarthy maybe wants to not basically say give the keys to Dak and say, lead us because uh, Jera thinks you're one of the greats of all time. I think there's some of that buried in this, but I think it gets missed. It goes in a different direction when it seems pointed at the previous OC. I It'll think that's a good read. I think that's a good read. And I think their whole uh, the whole Cowboys last two seasons and Kellen Moore's career would probably look different if they didn't have to happen to face the best defense in the league back to back seasons in, in each playoffs. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you get deeper <laughs> into the playoffs. I get you know? it. But I just mean that, like <laughs> the fact that they just got manhandled both times by the 49ers yes. definitely put them in a bad spot. With, with, by the uh, way, it's like you you exited both games and I don't I don't want to overemphasize like what happened in the both games ended in total folly. You leave your cowboy fan base thinking about a final 15 to 20 seconds that looked as disorganized as possible by a playoff team. All right, let's stop right here, take a break, and hit some more news. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back. Uh, In other news, Jets coach Robert Sala um, spoke about his very, it's very unclear what their quarterback room is going to be in 2023. Right now you have Zach Wilson on his rookie deal. Mike White is headed toward free agency. Uh, The team has been very clear about wanting to add a veteran quarterback. And Sala made some headlines in Indy with this comment on White and his future with the Jets. Where are you guys on Mike White? Uh, would you like to have him back in the quarterback? Oh yeah, no, Mike. Mike, uh, I know. Uh, Rich Samini. Feel like I probably should be talking about him more. Mike. Mike deserves uh, every bit to be talked about. He should be on this roster also, and he's. Uh, you know, we carried three last year, but uh, again, he's going through his process, and uh, um, and it's just something that uh, uh, obviously we're keeping close tabs on. So, um, if I may, I believe there's some combine coach speak here. Uh, he should be on the roster because they like him and he's talented in their minds and and he's somebody that in the most dire straits of outcomes for the Jets, uh, maybe he did come back and he's their starter because he flashed uh, last year and the year before. But I would say Mike White is probably like would be fifth or sixth on their list of choices for someone who's going to come back. Zach Wilson, most likely not going anywhere, could be traded, perhaps. Um uh, but if they're serious about keeping him and developing him, so he takes up a spot. Obviously, if you bring in a veteran quarterback, takes up another spot. Mike White's going to have value in free agency, and he's going to want to go somewhere where he has a chance to play. Mike White and the Jets are over, but mm. the head coach in my mind is, you know, because where we are in the league calendar, they don't know who the quarterback is yet. So right now, yeah, he makes sense to somebody that could be in the mix, but I don't think he is at all. Trading Zach Wilson is complicated. I still would like any scenario where that'd be possible and you bring back Mike White as a backup. That seems perfect. There is a world where Lamar Jackson, after all this drama, just stays with the Ravens. Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Derek Carr decides he loves the Saints. And the Jets who, you know, I think it's fair. that We understand how aggressive and frankly desperate they are for a, a veteran quarterback they can trust. But they get left out in the cold. And then you got to deal with like, you have been pumping up Zach Wilson, although no one buys it, and you're pumping up Mike White, but you might be stuck with, like, who do you get as your quarterback mm. at that point? Um, Robert Sala knows Jimmy G, but it's like 
there is this assumption they're going to get one of these three guys. And I, it could play out very differently and leave I'm the Jets in a it. weird place. I'm assuming it. I think the way it's set up, they're going to get Carr. I, I, I've heard, a, and you never know, you hear a lot of different things, but I have heard some rumblings. You know, Carr's market might not be as great as he hoped. I, we'll see, but I just think the Jets are the team that are going to make that thing happen if, if they can't do better. They'll get Carr. Yeah. I would say in this order for me, but Rodgers, Lamar, Carr, Jimmy G will be the Jets' starting quarterback. But if for whatever reason, to Mark's point, if all that fell through, I think they would start kicking the tires on things we haven't connected to, connected to them, like a Tannehill or Stafford or even Geno, for Christ's sake, like before they said, okay, let's just run it back with Mike White. I would Some clarity would be nice at that position. How about, how about Carson team? Wentz? Did we ever do the Carson Wentz release, by the way? Uh, poor guy. Didn't even crack the top 101. Oh, I we, we missed that. that. I forgot about Carson that. Carson Wentz was released by the Commanders uh, right after our show last week. And no, I don't think that would be an option for the no, Jets. I, but I don't either. He, I wonder I, if what? his career is over. I, but I think Greg, Greg, as we all know, Greg around like to really week, go ahead and uh, start to take command. Greg around week 12 or 13. If you want to have him to take command, like um, I thought you came up with a great idea where like use Carson Wentz as like a short yardage hammer, like a like a, a Taysom Hill type guy that can come in like he's not your he's your backup, but he's used in certain ways where you take advantage of the fact that he's like built like a front door. I kind of like that. Like this is a guy that like has talent. I just don't want him leading the team. <laughs> Uh, just just be ready, guys, especially you, Mark, for Carson Wentz, week one starter of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Carson Wentz has made too much money to do Taysom Hill's role at this point. I think he'd be like, see you later over that. Um, all right. In other news, the Chargers. It's been spoken of that um, Keenan Allen's time with the team could be over uh, the veteran wide receiver it has a tradable contract. Um, and yet Tom Telesco, the GM of the chargers uh, try to throw some cold water on that uh, at the combine. Here's what he had to say. Keenan Allen to me, he's like, he's our Andre Reed. Yeah. He's our Charlie Joyner. Like, like he's, he's an incredible football player. Talking to quarterback. We need weapons around him. You know, there's never been any thought of that. So he's, he's, he's with us. And, uh, you know, between him and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer, we think that's a great three receivers for our quarterback. We've got Austin Eckler at running back. You know, we've got an offensive line that can protect. So, you know, those are key weapons we need for our quarterbacks. Makes a lot of sense to me, boys. How about you? Same. And uh, it's rare we actually get hard news in the combine. I think this is why it was worth pointing out. Like, I, that, you can put that to bed now. I think he, he, he wouldn't have said that unless he knew that's absolutely the plan. He was on the set there, I believe, with our friend Andrew Siciliano little NFL network news breaking. Okay. It's not Andrew Siciliano. Graver's shaking his head. Just tell me who it was then. That was on good morning football. Oh, which is a great program itself. That was Peter Schrager. He was speaking with They're They're using the same set. Good job, Pete. A great journalist, Peter Schrager. I wouldn't you know, know Pete, it. I, you know, Schrager, he doesn't like Schrager Pete, back Peter, on the show. Peter, Peter yeah. Schrager. Um, I love Peter Schrager. He's connected as hell. And he'll let you know about it. There was a great shot um, at the famous steakhouse, uh, St. Elmo in Indianapolis, of Schrager uh, eating the shrimp cocktail with Andy Reid, legendary coach and reigning Super Bowl champion, sitting in the booth next to him. And then I believe um, Peter put in the uh, caption with the tweet, oh, by the way, it's Brett Veach, the GM, taking the photo. Mm. <laughs> tough spot that's for the access we got to work on i mean yeah that's true but also is it an awkward moment when it's like pete's like hey can can you take the picture like i want to get old big old big red over and get big red in the shot putting veach in a bad spot veach are taking a taking a big, dirt nap biggest veach ta- takedown since he was on you're the gm around 2019 <laughs> Yeah, but think from the Schrager brand end of things. Like, oh, that's huge, yeah. That's I have the GM take Schrager. the photo. They've got the architect yeah. of this championship team as I eat steak. Do the little like photo icon, Brett Veach. I think that's that's a next level move. Um, this is the first time I haven't had a Indianapolis steak in February or March in a decade. And I know everybody's like, oh, San Elmo, it's not that good. I like it. I used to say to Connor when we would all get together and people would complain about going there all the time, I would say it's not about the meat. 
It's the meat. E-A-T, E-E-T. No, I think Again, we know where you're... Circling we, back to that conversation before the show, Mark, yeah. that interpersonal connection, I think, is very important. I think we, we I think we knew where you were, where you were coming from with that and uh, just sort of in awe of your wordplay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. And, we, and we missed a lot of traditions in Indianapolis <laughs> this week, but we at least got to hear that phrase from Dan. I think there was like uh, one, like a tiny bit of good. mild grumbling one time, and then it like all we've heard about it's like everyone knows is talking about the hate almost. Well, here's what it's really about. It's about America. People, yeah. <laughs> it it's about America. Um, it's rooted in patriotism. Uh, no, it's 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 a thing, and um, I w- I miss it. I wish we I wish we were having steak with Connor Orr, but fair. we're not. Same. same. All right. In other news, uh, the Ravens. Haven't had a lot of success uh, building out their wide receiver room uh, during the Lamar Jackson era. And Eric DaCosta spoke about that at the Combine this week with the media. He had some candid thoughts on that. And uh, after those comments were aggregated, um, Rashad Bateman, their 2021 first-round pick at the position, uh, offered up a tweet that he then deleted, uh, but it lives forever on the Internet. And he said this at his GM, how about you play to your player's strength And stop pointing the finger at us and number eight. That's referencing, of course, Lamar Jackson. Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. After deleting the tweet, he sent out a new message. My apologies. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't bury my boss publicly on social media. Uh, maybe maybe you know, my apologies will take care of this. <laughs> he's probably not. He's not wrong, though. He's not wrong. Uh, if the, And that really does, Greg, give you an idea of some of the, the legit rumblings inside that building for an organization that's usually pretty airtight. Right. And Bateman's been one of their better picks. He just hasn't been healthy. It wasn't last year, but he looked like he was developing into a nice number two receiver at, at the least, which will live up to his, his late first round draft stock. But the trading stuff was messy. And so I went and checked out the NFLPA report card. You guys see this thing that came yeah, out? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, it was bonkers, that thing. Pretty stunning. So yep. It, it was interesting. We could get into that, you guys, if you wanted. But I did check the Ravens training staff, the strength staff rather, which was the one part of the report card that almost everyone got A's and A pluses. Like everyone loves their strength right. they staff. They love the personal, yeah. It, except for two teams. The Falcons had a D minus and the Ravens had an F minus. So there's something going on where like they are not happy with what's going on behind the scenes in terms of the strength staff. And that's a little different than the training staff, but the training staff uh, got a C and the, uh, I believe the, the weight room got a C. So it was like a little, you know, the Ravens players aren't happy. And that, it was it was interesting because everyone always talks about how the Ravens are this great organization. That was mm-hmm. a real aberration because if you looked at that report card, a lot of the weight rooms got graded poorly um, to the point where if you dug down to some of the commentary, there were players complaining like the Arizona Cardinals um, got, I think, the worst grade of anyone across the board. It seems like an absolute um, disaster over there. They were but they the were w- technically 31st. But I don't know how that happened because they had four F minuses. Right. I mean, F minus doesn't even exist. How did you? How did the Commanders f- finish behind a team that had four F minuses? It's, uh, it's, the I mean, F minus is the uh, gentleman's E. Right. But the one thing that I think what what a lot of the players were probably trying to do was say that in inclement uh, environments, in the in a weight room that is not up to par, the training staff. These are the guys that motivate you and tell you we believe in you and like they're. The, the training staffs almost across the board got B plus to A plus, except you're right. The Ravens did not. And I the one thing, the one position group that seems to have been um, problematic for them for so long, drafting-wise, was wide receivers. But go back to Hollywood Brown being frustrated with that offense. Rashad Bateman mm. frustrated with the way that he's been handled in his health because I thought he looked like he was about to set on fire early last season. And that offense, now they've fired their offensive coordinator. It's like the Ravens that have been this like pristine organization – there are little cracks here left and right. And as an old school Browns fan, you don't it. hate Mark to see it. it. Well, mm-hmm. no, it's just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You can't just coast. You got to keep, you can't have that weight room sitting out there with your training staff getting F's and D's. Got to get better than this, this Raven stuff uh, this offseason. Well, you remember, Greg's I was going to, Mark's like, I was going to build, uh, sell the Ravens to build Wes, uh, the old Mouser that would, uh, an underground railroad that would go across the country. 
It's it's a tough- you sell the Ravens franchise <laughs> for that. That'd be a better a better deal. <laughs> tough time for Cards fans out there. Four F minuses and looking at their roster, it just feels like they are. I don't know if you've done a power rankings lately, but they might be my thirty-two. I think they're my number thirty-two. It's going to be a tough year in yeah. Arizona, and you know you're bad when uh, the Commanders are like looking down at you. Be like, hey, we just got one F and two F minuses, so <laughs> that's cool. Uh, finally, in the news, Carolina Panthers founder Jerry Richardson died on Wednesday night at his home in Charlotte. He was eighty-six years old. Uh, a celebrated figure when he brought the NFL to Carolina in nineteen ninety-five, but his Time with the team ended in 2017 uh, due to scandal. He was forced to sell the team to David Tepper um, for a then NFL record $2.275 billion after the 2017 season amid allegations of sexual and racial misconduct in the workplace. A statue of Richardson outside the building was uh, subsequently removed. Uh, and Richardson is now oh, no longer with us. So uh, Jerry Richardson dies at the age of 86. One of the only ex-players ever, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think he was the first ex-player to ever become a team owner to, to make that path. Um, before we uh, t- take a break and bring in Lance, uh, Greggy, do you want to get us caught up and in, in we talk a little bit about <laughs> veterans, potential cuts ahead of free agency here? Uh, what are some names that are jumping out to you? As you I know you're licking your lips in a really kind of uncomfortable way because you want to add these guys to your top 101. Not about their personal failures, but or unemployment, impending unemployment, but you just love to beef up that list. So that's kind of what it's about for you. Okay, that's not totally true. I'm just trying to provide information um, for the listeners here of what we might see another in a week or two. I don't know if we still have the music. We used to have a segment, Dan, sponsored every week by Acrisure. What does that company do again? Acrisure, it's a um, it's an adult toy that we discussed uh, earlier this week. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, loving that sponsor. All right, some some possible cuts to look for in the coming week. It sounds like Joe Mixon is gone, uh, based on what Duke Tobin uh, said. It just makes a lot of sense. Michael Thomas, I believe, is is certain to be cut. Frank Clark's a, a big name that I think probably gets cut. Lyle Collins with the Cincinnati Bengals. Byron Jones. Miami, Shaq Griffin in Jacksonville. They need space. Sneaky close to the cap. Bud Dupree in Tennessee. Donovan Smith, longtime left tackle for the Titans. Ezekiel Elliott. I I think he gets cut. Let's just end this farce. Eric Kendricks, possibly for the Vikings. Harrison Smith, possibly for the Vikings. Adam Thielen might take a pay cut, but otherwise he might get cut. Shaq Thompson, uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan Kelly, Jonu Smith, I think your boy Corey Davis might get cut. Carl Lawson, depending on what they're trying to do. Otherwise, I think Lawson's Hmm, I think he gone. They got a first-round pick ready to take a spot. Okay. Uh, Holly uh, Paluvita-Vaitai. I I didn't need to go first. That's fine. Uh, Romeo Aquaro. And I could keep going down the list of offensive linemen, but those are the biggest names I see as likely cuts in the coming week. A lot of nice, potentially nice value. A lot of those guys will maybe uh, sign uh, shorter-term deals to try to get their value back up and th- those become some steals. So interesting. Good stuff. All right. Take a break and we'll get Lance in. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Yes, he's the man who brings raw sensuality to Indianapolis every February and March. A zaddy in his own right, Lance Zierlein. Welcome back to Around the NFL. Well, I mean, I don't have my auto tune, but if I did, trust me, it would be on. <laughs> uh, Lance, the combine, the workouts began today, and uh, you are there, boots on the ground, 
I mean, we're going to get to quarterbacks and some other prospects that are interesting to us. Um, is there kind of a, a above the treetops? Like, what is everybody talking about right now when, when you're at Prime 47 or uh, you're at Elmo or whatever? What is kind of like the, the people of your uh, ilk? What are you guys like? What's getting you guys juiced about this class? Well, I don't think you want to know exactly what we're talking about because it's <clears throat> probably Ooh. not for the – I heard you guys talking, but actually I heard the conversation before I went on the air. And so actually it would fit in with this this show just probably <laughs> off the microphone. But um, I would say, you know, a lot of it is – it revolves around Jalen Carter. Obviously that's, that's going to garner a lot of attention. A lot of conversation about the quarterbacks right now, which is – you know, are, are certain guys being too hyped up right now? Or are they not hyped up enough? And uh, that's really been a lot of the conversation has been about, you know, what's going to happen at the, the top of the draft. And, and is Ryan Poles, is everything coming out of Chicago smoke right now? Or is any of it real? That's mm. those are conversations right now. A lot of talk out of, oh, and some Lamar Jackson stuff, you know. What's going to happen with Lamar and and what what are the Ravens going to ultimately do? There's a lot of people who believe he's getting traded. Just a lot of people say they're just they'll just take their lumps this year, figure out quarterback and and move forward with a boatload of picks. Well, do you think Anthony Richardson is getting overhyped? Is that who you're talking talking about when you say the quarterbacks are getting overhyped? You know, so we so we live in the social media world. So that's not always the real world, as you know, you guys know. But it, it's hard not to think back to the Malik Willis, all the hype from last year. And then he gets drafted in the third round. And it's like, whoa, what happened here? And it's almost to the point now where social media has taken, you know, for Anthony Richardson, they've taken. We've all seen the same two plays. It's There's three plays. There's a pass play where he's dodging left and right in the pocket and throws kind of a three-quarter sidearm throw against Tennessee that's really cool, Um, a run against LSU that's a long run for touchdown, and then there's a rollout against, I think, Vanderbilt maybe, where he rolls right and throws a dime into the end zone. And those are the three plays that everyone shows over and over, and it's just like, I don't think it's a fair representation. I don't think think social media, the guys who compile the the highlight plays and, and get all the likes and the retweets and all the dopamine hits because they're because people are giving them all the attention for creating these highlight videos of players. I don't think they do a very good job of showing what the players actual strengths and weaknesses are in the areas of concern. And so the freight train of hype starts rolling downhill in the, uh, you know, not just on, not just in social media, but I think it, it bleeds its way into the television world uh, because that's what people are talking about. And then it doesn't necessarily match up with what NFL people are thinking about players. So I think, you know, I think all of these guys have a lot of work to do. I think Levis and Richardson have a lot of work to do, but they're also wildly talented. But I feel like the freight train needs to slow down just a little bit for Richardson because I don't think it's really fair to him at this point. Hmm. You know, it's um, I love what you just said because you're in a group of people that, you know, you and Daniel and Jeremiah and are in-house for us, you're watching full games versus these 10-minute, 12-minute cut-ups that really just show – typically the the top of the top of the echelon of their performance. But when you look at someone like, um, you know, Richardson, he's gone, some people have in the first round, he goes down to the fourth rounds in some mocks, but like Bryce Young, I think is an interesting study because the last quarterback who was, you know, essentially listed under 200 pounds um, to go in the first round was Jim McMahon. I mean, that is, we're talking eons ago. So where is the real concern level? Because I think now you got coaches that say, we can look at quarterbacks differently. We can coach this up. There's so much to like about Bryce Young, but does it's not just the height, but does the weight and the body size really like? Does he like the teams eliminate him because of that? I think the height is. I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but height is not a big concern because <clears throat> you can roll out pockets. You're sitting in shotgun, you know, so often. I mean, I I think there's different things you can do from a height standpoint that doesn't bother me as much. The frame thing you can't get around. I mean, he may come in here and weigh 200 pounds. And that could be a, I told you so to everyone. It's not going to matter. Everyone knows he's slightly built. And so there is a consideration and concern because it's fine if you can coach a player up for the different areas of concerns he has. But can he take some of the hits that other quarterbacks take when a guy falls on him, even though he's well protected and he stands in and delivers the ball late because he wants to make sure and, you know, to, to, to get this throw off. They don't want to give it up too early. Can 
can he withstand that punishment? And then the other thing is going to be, is he going to be able to um, recover from injury as quickly as everyone else? Or is an injury to a shoulder or a chest or a, a leg, a hip, is that going to be something that knocks him out of the game and keeps him out for another couple games? So I think that's the big concern is, is how many games is he going to miss? Now, he hasn't missed a lot of games at Alabama. He's, you know, he's been relatively healthy, but the NFL game is faster. There's less ability to protect him. Alabama's got better prospects than you have probably on their O-line and your D-line. Their O-line's probably going to have more prospects as opposed, you know, with the exception of the Georgia game. But in the NFL, if he gets drafted by the Texans, if he gets drafted by, um, you know, the, the Raiders or the Panthers or anybody who could come up and trade up and draft him, can they protect him? well enough and can he protect himself i think those are real concerns but make no mistake about it on tape he's clearly the best quarterback in this draft and then you know on the subject of qbs it it was 94 picks last year before the fourth qb came off the board in your first mock and i know these things are highly fluid and they're kind of a fun exercise more than something to like study scientifically but you have four guys in the first 19 pick starting with young to your Texans at two uh, and then the Bucks grabbing Richardson as their post Brady guy uh, Will Levis you have right now mocked to the Raiders at seven makes a lot of sense that Josh McDaniels looking to develop another QB did a nice work with Mac Jones as a rookie and uh, they're obviously moving on from Derek Carr so that ma- match makes sense but I'm curious more about as a prospect like what he needs to show right now and wh- how much did you put in obviously he had a tough season in 2022 his final college season uh, with the injuries uh, does that leave you more concerned or do you give him kind of a, a pass on that and look more at what happened when he was healthy in 21 yeah, I looked more at 2021, and I still see some of the same concerns. I mean, <clears throat> I actually gave him a plus for 2022 for playing through injury, playing hurt, showing his ability to be tough through it all. But there are just some fundamental accuracy stuff that really bothered me. I just And some decision-making and taking too many sacks. There's some poised considerations in the pocket. I mean, the arm ta- talent's there. I think he's he's a talented quarterback, but 22 is is a very rough take. 21 Mm. is better, but Mm. there are still some issues that I think you need to work around. Now, I can tell you that there's a chance I could come up on my grade based on how he looks here at the Combine and a Pro Day. And I know it's on air, and I know there's no defenders, but I think just, you know, I want to see him throw accurately from point A to point B. I don't want to see him spray it all over the place. And so those are some things on air. If, if If he's struggling to put it on frame for these wide receivers here at the Combine, um, that's that's you know kind of a uh, it's not confirmation bias it's tape by it's tape confirmation that he has natural accuracy issues but I do think Will Levis is a guy that teams want to like. They want to buy into Will Levis because he does have some of the physical traits that you really, really like. And I can understand why teams get excited. And, and you know, maybe there is enough on 2021 for people to project. But everybody, whether you like Richardson or Levis or both, the big thing you, you want to try to lean on is Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I think you're chasing a unicorn. That's like saying, you know, You know, oh, this guy could be the next, you know, maybe like Nolan Ryan. He can continue to pitch when he's really older. Maybe he'll be like LeBron or maybe he'll be like Tom Brady. These are these are false comparisons. You can't make comparisons to these to these unicorns. It's just it's hard to do. And I think Josh Allen, it's it's yet to be determined. But Josh Allen may be one of those rare instances where accuracy accuracy issues were improved to a not only functional level, but a very solid level. Mm. Who are you mentioned uh, Levis? You kind of want to see how he looks in terms of his accuracy. I'm sure Richardson will blow the doors off in terms of like his testing. We'll see how he throws. Like, who are some other offensive, maybe skill guys you're looking at this week that could show some juice? You know, a uh, little preview for for who's watching uh, the NFL Network stuff this week, and in terms of receivers, maybe running backs. Well, Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, he's a former running back, and he's got. He's very tough with the ball in his hands, but he was also a track guy. So he's got great um, sprint speed. He is really, really fast. So he's going to run really, really fast. But the other thing is, and I think he does need to get a little bit better from just learning to play. But I think Tyler Scott was one of my favorite ascending prospects when I watched him. I think he's a second round Mm -hmm. 
wide receiver. And I think he's going to run really fast and test really well. And I think he's going to look good in the drills as well. So that's a guy to keep your eye on at wide receiver. I think Zay Flowers, who's gotten bigger um, over the, like during the quote unquote draft season, he's gained, he's put on like eight to 10 pounds of muscle and he looks bigger. Like he looks good. Zay Flowers is going to run really, really well. Tank Dell, Nathaniel Tank Dell. It is rare to be named Tank when you're 163 pounds mm. and yet are he's a wide receiver named tank who's 163 and he's going to run in a four threes so those are some guys that are going to bring some juice i think to the table but it's unusual because we have a lot of smaller wide receivers it's there's gonna be a lot of big cornerbacks and small receivers this year that you're going to notice at the combine and then um you know so those are some of the guys that are going to run really fast but a guy that i think you're going to start hearing a lot more talk about is cedric tillman from tennessee kind of a lost you know, Jalen Hyde is, 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 I don't know if he's running out here, but if he does, it's going to be extraordinarily fast. But he had a lot of touchdowns. He was terrific this year. I think people sleep on the fact that Cedric Tillman um, played this year on a high ankle sprain. He ended up having a surgery so he could get it back out on the field faster to join, um, you know, his teammates and, and, and compete, which I think is a big bonus in terms of what he's willing to do. He's big. He has great ball skills. And he had 352 yards receiving last year in 2021, I should say, against Georgia and Alabama. I mean, 352 total against Georgia and Alabama. That should immediately catch your attention. And I talked to a couple of personnel guys in the NFL, just kind of brought up his name, and they were like, we're right there with you. Like, you know, he had the he had the tape last year. And so you have to go back also to 2021 to just re-remind yourself that Cedric, Cedric Tillman is a real dude out there. And he's a guy that he may not run the fastest 40, but if he gets under 4-5, or five, he gets in the high 4-4s, four I think his name is really going to start to creep up and maybe even start to to be mentioned in the late first round because there's no real wide receiver ones for me. It's not Quentin Johnston. It's not Jordan Addison. It's not Jalen Hyde. Jalen Hyde's going to be my top rated wide receiver because of elite speed. But I don't believe there's a true wide receiver one in this draft. I, I want to um, I, I appreciate that. We've got some small wide receivers in this draft. But I want to talk about a human being who is um, the opposite. He is very large. He's about 275 pounds. He's six foot four from the state of Iowa, hovering from that land. Um, it is Lucas Van Ness, my draft man crush at this point. I know he wasn't really a starter per se in college, but it seems like he is a figure of massive intrigue. Um, he doesn't even fit into most cars. How do you view this player? <laughs> so, uh, you know, He's, they, his nickname is Hercules for a reason. That's what he looks like. That's how he's going to test. Um, I think right now he's he's a he's a good athlete with great size, but he's not as skilled as he needs to be. The hands need to get better. Um, he's not a very skilled pass rusher, which I think can come in time. It's something you can coach up, but it's not always going to click. So sometimes with some players, the coaching hits, and then you take the big, strong, powerful, explosive player, and if he gets his hands worked out, if he starts to develop go-to moves, well, you're looking at one of the more, potentially one of the more dominant players to come out of the this draft from a pass rush standpoint. If he doesn't develop, and if he still continues to lean on power and strength, well, the NFL can, you know, they have guys who can counter you on power and strength so you'll be you'll be good but you may not be great so i think lucas van s the key is going to be can he add skill to what is already a force driven um playing style if he can add the skill level and add a little finesse and and, and pretty up the, the game a little bit and get the skill level you know elevated a little bit i think it'll all start to click for him lance you have no idea um how important it is for mark that that guy hits now that he's publicly brought him up there's a lot riding on this for Sessler. that's true yeah let me ask well he'll, he'll look good out here Go i mean Sessler's gonna he's gonna come out of this looking like the champion out of the combine let's just see how it looks on draft day and then you may have to revisit this in three years or when it's time for a second contract that's a long time for you to, mm -hmm. Hansis, that's a long time for you and greg to wait to gloat like that's a long time for a second contract to say you were wrong you know i don't think you're going to be able to it's say fine. that we, we've been doing this show for 10 years we still make fun of like when he really was in love with zach zenner or there was who was the other guy toby wow. gerhardt on the vikings uh, yeah toby wow. gerhardt like we, we remember these zenner. if you were zach a, zenner from the 2015 if you were a white running back that wasn't christian mccaffrey uh mark likes you <laughs> i mean the one thing he can't do
So when are we going to start our Riley Moss discussion then and go white cornerback? Mm. Is that ever going to mm. make the rounds on HBN? I mean, feel free to speak on him. Go ahead. I mean, he's he's a legit running back. I mean, he's a legit cornerback. He's going to be drafted as a corner. Um, there will be talk about moving him to safety. You know, he'll get the, hey, we should move him to safety talk. The cursory, we should move him to safety talk. But he's a legitimate cornerback, and he's going to be drafted on day three. He's physical. Um, he's got some cover skills. I think Riley Moss is a legitimate cover corner. He may not be anything more than a backup in the league who, who – who gets to play here and there as a third cornerback or if there's injuries. But I, I think Riley Moss is it's 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 been a long time. It's been a long run. You had Jason Seahorn and now Riley Moss. Now I don't know if he's going to end up maybe, time. you know supermodels or T V stars or whatever the case may be, but um, I do think he's got a chance to play in the league also. That's a great um pop culture slash sports trivia question that I'll pose to Greg Rosenthal. Jason Seahorn's uh, wife is or was Angie Harmon. Correct. Well done, Greggy. Uh, let's close here and thank you for your time here, Lance, from the bowels of Lucas Oil Stadium, which I you probably know as well as your own home at this point uh, in your life and career. Uh, yeah, Bijan Robinson. We played his uh, highlight earlier in the show. Our producer, Gravedigger is a uh, Longhorn uh, alum, as he ceaselessly uh, tells us. Um, who's the comp here? How special is this guy? You have him as a top five prospect. That doesn't mean he goes top five because of how the running back is viewed in our league as we know. But like, who's the comp in terms of what kind of player this guy could be? Kind of hard to come up with a, an exact comp, but I think Saquon is is a fair comp. I mean, he's, he's not going to be as fast as Saquon Barkley. Um, <clears throat> but what he is, is he is a very powerful running back. He runs he runs with a combination of elusiveness and power, and you don't know which one you're going to get. So what happens is a lot of times you'll see tacklers get up to him, and if they're not sure, if they're on their toes waiting for him to wiggle, and then he hits them head on, they're going to get trucked, and it's not going to look good. If they're bracing to really run through him, and he wiggles, then they're going to look bad. Um, so he, he can toggle between elusive and power, which I love. The other thing is, is he's a full menu running back. So he'll, he can handle first and second down, you know, from a fantasy football standpoint, which we all dabble, obviously he's going to be a guy that fantasy owners are going to love because he didn't have a tremendous amount of wear and tear off the, off the tread at Texas. They did a pretty good job of limiting you know the heavy duty touches but he can gain yards for himself through wiggle he can gain yards to himself through power he can catch the ball out of the backfield at a volume rate and he can protect the quarterback so and not to mention that when it gets around the goal line he can put it in there so there's really not a lot of weaknesses there i, I don't know that he's necessarily going to run he may be like a four five 40 guy maybe four five five may not be the fastest 40 guy but i really honestly that really doesn't bother me as long as he has, has enough burst Oof. Cool. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, I, Jeremiah brought up a good point that these type of guys, these running backs, they make sense going to a team that's ready uh, to win. I believe you had a mock to the Bills, which would be um, mm -hmm. a home run. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, where he lands, rebuilding team or contender. Hey, last question. I'm curious, Lance. Like, so we our combine experience has always been, or at least in recent years, you know, we parachute in for the coaches and GMs, and then we get out of Dodge, right? you are there for the whole thing. Like, so like when you're there, like when did you get into town, Lance, into Indy? Got into town Tuesday, uh, late afternoon. And you're leaving when? Uh, Sunday night. All right. So what are you doing? That, what are you doing in Indy now from Thursday through Sunday? You've already hit probably all the haunts or are you such a veteran that you know places that people don't even they're not even aware of, or is it getting to the point now where you're at the white castle at the outskirts of town <laughs> by the time you get to Friday night? Now I'm a, I'm a legitimate food guy. So <clears throat> I hit restaurants that are critically acclaimed. So I'll make patients. <laughs> I mind going to, I saw Matt rule who, you know, uh, what was it? 2020 is either 2020 or 2019 combine. His wife is, uh, was trained at a culinary school just, for, you know, just because she wanted to. And so I saw Matt Rule at this really uh, nice uh, a James Beard nominated restaurant that was about 25 minutes outside of Indianapolis. And we talked food there and some football. Um, I made it to a place called Beholder that I don't think anyone. So here's the key. Look, I know they're probably not advertisers. I never see them advertised anywhere. Resi is the key. 
the app Resi is going to have any city you go into, some of the coolest, hippest food forward places is always going to be on Resi. So you look through there and then I do my homework after that. So like I scout cornerbacks and I scout wide receivers and offensive mm. I scout restaurants as well. I look through the menu. Is it tasting menu? What does the cocktail menu look like? Is it, you know, am I going to have to make, is there a chef's table or a chef's counter? What does it look like from a tire standpoint? Because I can tell you, it's going to be casual for me. Yeah, I, I noticed you on NFL Network just wearing a plaid shirt, no jacket, no tie. And this was a tier one show. You're supposed to be wearing a tie. I was like, they're going to yank Lance right off of it. Then here's a good idea. Tell me before I pack my clothes and get on a plane that you're going to have me on. You know? Ooh. You can't that's, expect I see, that's that. a good cover. That. Oh. Plus, it's also a power play. It's also a power play by Lance. It's like, you know yeah. I'm good at this. You know the value I bring. If you want to give me an issue because I'm not wearing a tie, well, guess what? I'm just I'm killing the game. Decide what's more important. It's a challenge is what it is. That's what I think. <laughs> I think there's a brand that is created for draft analysts and especially guys who write tape is we're supposed to be grinders. You don't put a grinder in a tie. Mm. Frankly, I should be in a hoodie. Uh, my show, I should dress exactly like you guys dress at all times on every show. <laughs> well, Lance, um, keep up the good work, buddy. Yeah. Be you. Greg, Greg Love it. Nice shirt. And I'm like, what the hell's that supposed to mean, Greg? No, I like. I legitimately liked it. You were <laughs> It was a cool shirt, and you were, it was just surprising to see next to Siciliano's like, three-piece suit. It was great. It was a cool shirt. <laughs> um, all right, Lance. Thank you very much for joining us, buddy. Enjoy all the good eats and the good times in Indy, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, right, soon. See you, Lance. There he goes, Lance. He's a good fella, as they say. Um, boys, here's the plan. That's the last show of the week, maybe. Um, but um, during a... Uh, a walk of contemplation with my canine last night. It it did strike me. Let's be ready. Let's be on call. Uh, this Lamar Jackson situation, as you heard again from Lance, something can break at any moment. There could be a trade. Aaron Rodgers, that could go down. I floated the idea of a Derek Carr emergency podcast. And, and just for the thought of Mark having to do that uh, on, <laughs> on call and do a 30 minutes on Derek Carr. That potentially is in play here just for entertainment value. Uh, so maybe you'll hear from us tomorrow, Friday, if big news breaks. Otherwise, we have uh, shows all through next week. But I think mm. typically in our society, um, the people that are on call are you know emergency workers, um, highly regarded surgeons and bloggers. And so we we just <laughs> will fit right in there and do it's it's our job. It's our task. It's our we, it's a joy to do it all. Greg, I'm now living in this garage. I'm not going to leave. Um, but we do have some breaking news before we leave, though. I don't know right. if this would what be we an emergency. But the NFL has announced that referee Jerome Boger has retired after 19 Bogey. seasons. You gone. That is, okay, uh, uh, breaking news drop, okay. Um, <laughs> we're in a little bit of a slump there, but Boger is one of the more recognizable dudes, uh, you know? So, Bogey leaving the game while he still has his fastball. I don't know if he does or not. In fact, who knows why he's leaving? I know the NFL is probably behind the scenes looking to tighten some things up in that realm, but I don't want to connect any dots on that. If Bogey mm. just decided this is the end of the uh, his run, Godspeed, buddy, and uh, enjoy whatever comes next. I was just was hoping, it. actually, you were going to come after me for a reckless use of breaking news and didn't even work. No, because I don't want to. I don't want to shatter your confidence on it uh, unless you're now purposely trying to denigrate the breaking news drop. Which is okay if you want to go with a bid on it. That's fine too. But I, now I just, he's he's been doing that for like I think it's three or four years. He's been doing oh, sort of false. You should have seen what happened drop. last week, Mark, when you were uh, trapped at sea. Uh, he used the breaking news drop to announce that um, he was not going to put Conklin, not Conklin, who was it? Taylor Luan on his top 101. <laughs> well, that, that lacks integrity, Greg. You need to clean that up. I, I choose not to. I was just tempted to do breaking news again to say, now I know. Uh, <laughs> let's do it, J Justin. Let's go. Let's go. Whenever you could build up the joke in this manner, it's going to yeah, land. This is... <laughs> Uh, my wife and Pat Rules, Pat Rules' wife have something in common. They both went to culinary school. That's it. I'm done. I did. I did see your eyes light up when uh, Lance uh, mentioned that.
It sucks that Rule is now back in the college game. Good for him. He's getting paid a bunch of money, uh, and he'll thrive because he killed it with Baylor before and Rutgers before he got uh, to the NFL. But he would have been a good guy to keep in our rotation. But he's gone. He's gone. He's he's going to be running that program for years and probably never come back to the NFL. Um, I like that he describes her wanting to go to culinary, culinary school just because she wanted to. Like he sort of, well, maybe it's a deep passion. We don't know. He just sort of just, just sort of flippantly decided to go and check that I box. think, yeah, the idea was she didn't need to be making, um, you know, $18 an hour to work till one in the morning because he has her taken care of financially. Maybe that was what he was getting after. I'm not sure. Hard to say. Hard to say. We may never know. Um, it was Temple, by the way, not Rutgers for Matt Rule. Thank you, Gravedigger. All right, that's it. So, like I said, unless uh, news breaks and dictates a uh, an emergency pod, come on, Derek Carr, make that decision. Uh, we will be back on Monday with more around the NFL goodness as we get closer, ed- ever closer uh, to free agency and, yes, the draft. Good stuff. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until uh, you hear from us next, Yes. Hey, baby, you got to heed that call. In that call. Just coming to my place. To see my face. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.